You're tuned in to the Three Pixels Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Three Pixels Podcast. We are live with our first episode of Season 5. You're welcome and we're happy to be back. It's been a while since the last uh, full series episode, but we were back doing a little test live. Thank you to everyone who joined us on the test live. I thought it was a really, really good episode. So if you haven't gone and listened to that, I would recommend it. It's a bit more of a personal one, but actually quite interesting. And as I say, a really good episode. So go and tune that. If you tuned in live, thank you. Hello. Uh, I'll say hello to you guys on the chat uh, as we go ahead. But uh, keep in mind, I've got a lot of other things going on, including talking on the podcast. So I don't want to be rude to my co-hosts. And talking of co-hosts, I'm joined by the lovely Darby and Martin. Guys, how are you doing? Yeah, pretty well. Thank you once again for having me on the podcast. I always start whenever I come yeah. here, I always feel like I'm some sort of guest. I've been a mainstay <laughs> from the beginning, but every time I'm like, I feel like a guest. But no, feeling great. Uh, like you said, new season, new us. Yeah. Is that the new <laughs> for the season? Sure. Sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> new live streaming, mm. which is awesome. Um, we're going to get better and better at this as we go along. I already feel like this setup was better than our last one. Uh, hopefully, a bit smoother. We had a bit of technical issues. We'll, we'll forget the thing at the start. That never happens. You guys saw that live. That doesn't, that doesn't happen. Um, but uh, yeah, we're going to get better and better as we go. So stay tuned. And uh, yeah, it should be a fun ride for all of us. So. Let's dive in with our first topic, shall we? So we've each got a topic we're going to bring to the table for this episode. So my first topic is talking all about the recently announced Steam Deck. Uh, the Steam Deck is the new console from Steam, which is set to um, kind of change up the, the mobile gaming space, taking on what the Nintendo Switch kind of did so well with portable gaming and the popularity is, you know, undeniable. Uh, and uh, improving it with computer specs. It's going to be running Linux on a Steam OS version, but it is a computer at heart. It's going to be running computer components, meaning that you can install Windows on it if you really wanted to and do what you like. Something which obviously is a big one up from Nintendo's closed ecosystem. Um, you know, anyone who knows a Switch knows how expensive games can be on, on the Switch and uh, being, having that open for different opportunities and to be able to have the same versatility of being able to dock the console to a TV, but also taking on the go with you. I think the possibilities are really quite endless and the, the performance and specs are looking quite good. Um, it's set to ship this December and uh, will have a variety of different tiers. To be honest, if you haven't pre-ordered one already, you probably won't get one for a while. They're already sold out. But um, Darby, as someone who's played on the Switch quite a bit, um, could you see uh, yourself or, or could you see the real need for something like this that's got sort of a more performance and play lots of different games? Could you see yourself maybe ditching the Switch and using something like this in, instead? Uh, short answer, no. And that is because we already have a Switch and we already have a full... Uh, gaming computer that is fully capable of any serious hardcore gaming um, that we want to do. So I see no need for something in the middle of that. Um, I feel like all yeah. of our needs are covered. As a casual gamer, um, I really don't need the most high quality spec in the market. Yes, um, I. And I'm, I'm not playing any heavy-duty games that uh, would require 
such a thing um, in a portable capacity. Um, so honestly, no. <laughs> uh, but but uh, that's just me, and I fully understand someone who's a more serious gamer who wants to take their heavy-duty, um, high-usage games um, on the go with them. No, I fully understand. Um, although it does look quite heavy and bulky to hold on to. Yeah, but at least it's got proper joysticks and proper grips and all that mm -hmm. kind of other stuff. So it feels like it could be a better experience for like gaming. Um, like it has more of an um, you know an Xbox controller feel and proper joysticks, not this dumbed down mobile version of joysticks. Mm. Um, so I could see I could see the demand personally. Um, the Price is going to start at about $399, which will probably be like £399 as well, for the 64GB version, working its way up to 512GB, um, which is $649. Now, as I say, you know, it's it's 2021, 20, and the, with, with everything the way it is at the moment as well, is you'll probably be waiting a while to get one if you're kind of thinking, now, oh, this would be kind of a good thing to get. Storage space is going to be a big deal. I mean, games are really, really, really big right now, so I think, honestly, the 64 gigabyte version is a non-buy, like, at all. Um, so if you are looking at one, I know it's got expandable storage, but SD cards are very notoriously not reliable, especially with the, these are micro SD. Um, so you don't want to be going down that route if possible. So you definitely want to be going for the higher 256 gig or um, 512 gig storage if you're going to be getting one. And honestly, I'm, I'm concerned that that's not even enough. Um, because um, you look at things like Warzone, you're talking about hundreds and hundreds of gigs. Um, the games are getting bigger and bigger um, all the time. Uh, Martin, what's, what's your feel? See, uh, what Darby said, I'm trying to find like maybe like a counter to what you said, but I'm very on the fence about this because um, with the whole portable aspect of it, mm -hmm. uh, gaming laptops have come quite far away, uh, quite far forward. And they are portable now. Like I remember as a kid, gaming laptops were big, bulky things with very small mm -hmm. um, sort of life in them. The battery drained like something fierce. And I understand that instantly people say, "Oh, but you'd have to use the trackpad. Like you can't use a mouse with the um, new uh, Steam Deck. You know, you have to have the joysticks and everything come with it." But other than being on the train or on public transport. Or literally just being outside, maybe in a calf, I can't see it being used anywhere else. If I was going to go on holiday, I'd take the extra money to buy a gaming laptop and just use it then and just bring my mouse and have um, the comforts at home on a smaller scale. Um, it, it's very hard, but I also understand, like I said, with where people commute a lot who like gaming but probably don't get enough time. Maybe they've got a nine to five, they got on the train yeah. to go to work, they want to play, I don't know. For example, a game I'm playing right now, The Witcher 3. Mm -hmm. Let's take that, mm -hmm. right? So that's the game they're playing. They get they have an hour commute. They want to play Witcher for an hour, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. then back on the train, back another hour. After that, they got to be super mum, super dad. Got to make the dinner or cook, clean, whatever. Look after the kids. They have kids. I understand, like that could be getting out of that constraint of there where you can actually have like an hour to yourself in uncomfortable circumstances yeah mm -hmm. like on the train or commuting or whatever but beyond that i find it very um i don't see the market that well it reminds me of was it amazon or, or stadia it's sort of mm -hmm. like it came and then that it was different though of, that's that's live streaming games yeah but even so i find it's one of those things that 
I think we hear people go, oh yeah, like in five years down the road, we're like, oh yeah, do you remember the that that Steam Deck thing that came out? And people go, no. And mm. that's like, I honestly, like, really, maybe I genuinely feel it might be a little loud. You know, you could clip that if you want, and then play it back to you five years time and go, yeah, hey, well, how wrong you were. This may this may end up being a clip on YouTube. Who knows? Um, but I I kind of. At first, actually, when you said that, I was like, no, 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 you're wrong. And that's kind of like the the PC gamer side of me coming out a little that's bit right. and thinking that like, no, 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 this is a big deal. Like, you know, there isn't, there. Are, okay, there have been like these handheld PC gaming things. There are a bunch of different companies, but this is the first company that's taken it seriously with serious partnerships. With some, this has got some serious specs in it. At a, at a, these days, quite a reasonable price, I think, for what, for what you're getting. Mm. I was like, no, no, you're wrong. But then, yeah, I mean, the Switch does so well because you're not just buying piece of hardware you're buying into the whole ecosystem of games which are so well suited to the type of consoles that nintendo make mm. so animal crossing and the party games and you know mario kart all this kind of stuff you know and the fact that you can dock the controllers out you've got, you've got a whole a whole system so I, I actually yeah i kind of now see what you're coming from in the sense that maybe yeah this this won't be yeah, this isn't going to be, you know, a Switch killer. Um, no, no. No, I mean, honestly, that blew up much, much bigger than I think most people expected it to. Um, but it is a very, very interesting console. Um, there's been a lot of debate whether the screen resolution is good enough. It's 1280 by 800, so it's not quite full HD. But my argument being on something that size with that small screen, it's all about like perspective of that. You know, if you've got a massive TV, then you notice the finer details more. But if you've got a small screen, I think 1280 by 800 is better because at least you're getting better performance in your games, which is more important. Like, it's better that you're going to be able to perform better and do what you need to do in the games. You can get in better frame rates than trying to get like the best physical picture quality because like you know when you're a mobile gamer i don't think you're not scrutinizing the details you're, you're all you're caring about is getting into your game and it running smoothly mm-hmm. and being able to have a quick game problem free frustration free as possible so yeah but i'm what i'm, I'm, I'm going to leave it on from some of my point of view is that what i'm most interested to see is that because this is running on linux and it's kind of more of an open platform it's not like a nintendo or a sony lockdown business it's just to see what people do with this because it's got you know it's got usb-c ports uh, and a lot of other interfaces and the fact that you can put whatever you want on it i'd be interested to see the use cases that it, that it becomes i think if it had a touch screen um maybe i'm wrong maybe it does i don't think it has a touch screen then that would that would be even better i think but i'm interested to see martin um something actually i didn't even think about was although we did mention it with the switch um like what nintendo done very well actually i will just say as context ben will know more than darby because ben and i have uh just been co-hosting this bit longer yeah. maybe obviously you've listened to our episodes obviously mm-hmm. beforehand caught up to speech. like i've been very skeptical of uh, nintendo probably yeah. since day yeah. one since yeah. doing this and you know I, like i have my reasons why but the one thing i cannot fault nintendo being is very family orientated like yeah. they yes, always yes. they know their market well this is it like look at the wii the, the very first wii what was the marketing kids adults playing on, on these games simple games like golf mm. bowling very simple game obviously more games came afterwards but the initial focus point was family orientation. Mm-hmm. The Wii U came out. What was its USP? When 
mum and dad are watching their TV show, you could still be sat downstairs with them having family time while playing on your Wii U mm. with the Switch. What was it? It was a combination of both. Yeah. It was almost saying, look, you can have two consoles at once. Check yeah. this out. Yeah. It was an amalgamation of all yeah. of their marketing to that point. Very, very clever. Yeah. With, um, and once again, it almost felt like you're getting two consoles in one. Yeah. With the Steam, I don't understand what where it sort of lies in if you want a console you're going to get um the new xbox or the ps5 yeah if you if you're a hardcore pc mm -hmm. gamer you would probably get a gaming laptop or if you're really a fanatical you probably would take your pc with you if if it's like you know in in the vicinity of your country you're not flying over broad that is obviously yeah. it's very hard to go well what are you targeting and who's really going to buy it? No one's going to buy this as a main console. No one's going to say, I bought this so I don't have to buy these other things. <laughs> yeah. You would buy yeah. those mm -hmm. top tier stuff. So your Switch, your Playstations, your Xboxes. And then you go down to, this to me sits in that DS. Do you remember the old DS, like Game Boy Advance sort yeah. of things? It's sort of like, I hate to say it, but like a B tier sort of thing. And I know that sounds really horrible, that's instantly where I go that is not a main thing you'll have that is not something that you're going to go to your friends and say hey let's go play on that Steam Deck no it'd be like hey it's let's true. let's play on the, let's make a LAN party hey let's go on the PlayStation yeah. hey let's go on the Wii U I don't know if you're still playing that <laughs> <laughs> yeah I Look, I, I can see your argument to a certain degree. I do think that the, the, one of the key markets are people who do travel a lot because gaming laptops are heavy most of the time mm -hmm. um, and, sure. la and cumbersome and um, lap trays suck. So on oh, yeah. trains and planes and all this, they suck and you need one of those to put the computer on. And if there are any like decent enough, then they're kind of so close to you, you can't do anything. It's literally like down here, like right here and you're like... Like it's no good because at least you can have a comfortable grip hand position and you can play it and then you can even like you're sat waiting for your train or your plane you can be playing it and literally keep holding it walk on to wherever you're going and then just keep playing it you know and i think having that flexibility to be able to just keep keep going and probably for longer um then you'll get out of a laptop because um gaming all gaming laptops kind of suck in battery department as well oh yeah um just because of the nature so i think if you're on the road a lot, I, I could picture a me when I was like traveling a lot with work, staying in lots of different hotels, going on lots of different trains and stuff. I could see that being a really interesting proposition, which is kind of what kind of enticed me about the Switch at the time was like, I actually don't game anymore because I'm traveling so much and I can't take the console with me or like, you know, or whatever. Uh, and, you know, and um, I don't want to buy a super expensive game laptop. Game laptops can get quite expensive. You know, I could get something that was relatively affordable that I could still play some games on. So there's definitely a market. I mean, it's already it's already um, you know pre-orders are already going crazy. So it's it's gonna it's gonna do well for Steam. Oh, for that's sure. for sure. But um, yeah, yeah, I can agree that there's more of a niche market than the main consoles. Darby, do you anything else to add? Yeah, yeah. Um, I was just thinking, like, I think ultimately, I think yeah, it will be a competitor for the Nintendo Switch, um, but I don't think it's going to unseat the Switch from its throne. Um, and I also think that we have to remember, like, part of the Switch's huge success, mm -hmm. I mean, it was popular before, but then 
first lockdown, March 2020, yeah. what happened? Everybody and their mom wanted one. Yeah. To the point where people were buying them and then reselling them for yeah. That's way story beyond of, what they were worth. The story of 2020 and 2021. Exactly. And so... All of that, and then the hype that came from that, ultimately led to, like, switches being so popular, and now they're everywhere, you know? And so, mm -hmm. I feel like Nintendo got quite, in a way, <laughs> got quite lucky um, with, with that whole scenario that lockdown gave them. Um, and that doesn't happen to every console, thank goodness. Um, and uh, yeah, hopefully nothing like that will happen to the, the Steam Deck. Yeah. Um, but I think for that reason alone, honestly, the Steam Deck has an appeal and it has a market, although it's kind of niche, but I don't think it's ever going to outpace or outdo the Switch. There's no way. No way. No, no way. way. Okay. So I'm being clipped and you're being clipped. This is yep, going yep, very well yep. here, you know? <laughs> yeah, and I think that I get it. And it's a nice way, to, it's kind of a nice way to summarize it. And I think, look, any competition's good, good, right? So the fact that this here, I welcome it. And I think that it's bringing new innovation and will hopefully be, you know, um, a good look for, for Nintendo to go what they're going to do next with the, the Switch, whether there's going to be a Switch 2, I, I predict there probably will be. Um, they've just released their updated version of the Switch, um, which they could have done more with, but, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll gloss over that. And, uh, you know, it, it's good to see. And look, all of this is a win for the gamers, right? The more opportunities it gives to gamers to be able to play the games that they want to play where they want to play them and gives them more flexibility and opportunity, especially at the moment when... Um, you know, Martin can can speak on this. It it it's hard to get your perfect PC build right now. It's hard to to get your perfect gaming experience. Everyone's making mm. do. So the more opportunities that it puts out there for people to to make a decision on and and to be able to get uh to be able to play their own games that they want to play, then we're all winning here. You know. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the most important things is that whether you buy a a, a PlayStation, an Xbox a switch a pc you're all you're winning like you 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 get to play the games that you want to play with your friends or um wherever you want to play them and that that's what people forget at the end of the day is that like it doesn't matter about what you play on the fact is is that you're you know doing something that you enjoy and that's important so um if you buy a um steam deck right on yeah as long as like you said as long as you're having fun and I, and I think that is sort of lost in times absolutely absolutely uh, and actually that's a really good way of summing up actually um, there are times where even myself I think yeah you should probably think more of the aspect of the fun of things yeah mm. and, and that's just it I think with this whole lockdown I think that's the that's the first we really need a bit of fun a bit of laugh and, and make sure everyone's okay I think that is, <laughs> I think that's the most thing we, we can come away from this whole pandemic to say like maybe we should appreciate more of the good times that are around mm. us and you know even though they are few and far between let's just join for that brief moment sort yeah of thing. yeah absolutely all right so that is about steam deck as i said um it will come out in december pre-orders are available i believe and uh yeah go and check it out on on google i don't know i'm, I'm not i'm not amazon <laughs> don't don't come to me don't come to me. i'm not jeff bezos anyway in the realm of gaming, we will head over to Martin for his topic.
Okay, thank you. Surprise topic. We don't we don't really know what it's all about. So Martin, tell us what it's all about. Uh, just before we have a bit of a caveat here, I do have my phone sure. on my lap here. That's now fine. Now I will be flitting between. Ben, you've done a very good job there of remembering all your key <laughs> points. I do not have that knowledge retention, so I do apologise. But yes, we are in the realm of gaming, and there's been a story that I've been following now and in and out, mm-hmm. and let's just say it's kicked up into even higher gear and deep water than it was already in. And that is Activism Blizzard, Diablo uh, 4 director, and two others leave the company. Now, a bit of context before we go into the main article here. Um, Activision Blizzard, which I'll refer to as AB, I think it's quite a mouthful. But AB or Activision, or just Activision, but I don't really want to assume just with the one. You see. Yeah, yeah. So with AB, they had a lot of uh, sexual misconduct going around with their employees, um, a lot of, so we say, slobbery going on, uh, not keeping their workstation clean, a lot of um, sort of singling people out for their either race or sexual preferences as well. It's generally been very a deplorable work uh, place to, to work in. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently this has been going on for a long time. It's been able to mm-hmm. fester for a while. This hasn't just been like a one person and one and done sort of deal. No. This has been near across the board. And a lot of uh, former AB staff, when it all started up, uh, mostly um, women have come forward to say, yeah, we've been sexually harassed throughout the workplace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and. I, I, I do not like the saying, like, in 2021, you know, but in this day and age, for this to still come on, let alone at any point, but even now, with the whole Me Too movement and articles, we, we are still having these problems, and a massive company like AB is it's just unfathomable and just absolutely bang out of order, in my opinion. Like, when will people learn, and how dare AB even let this even happen in their workplace? Um... It's very weird, actually. This is now, we're gonna just go on to like very, my more emotional thing about this. This is obviously just how I feel. Um, I play a lot of their games. I've, I enjoy their games, but I've always said they allow a lot of hackers and cheaters in and don't pick them up. And I remember reading a story about two weeks ago saying about a lot of coding they did, if you go back through it, was wrong let's just say and I don't know a lot about coding and this like trying people explaining code to me is like you know never gonna happen but they said a lot of it actually when they coded they were like intoxicated they weren't mm. in the full mindset either and when you play some of their mm. games you definitely see like you think what is going down in this game but anyway let's move on to the main article like I said uh, Diablo 4 director and two other companies leave um, this follows the resignation of President J. Allen Brack and other executives in the wake of the allegations of the widespread sexual harassment at the company. However, no reason has been given for the three most recent departures. But I think it's if they have not been enacting any of this, and obviously this is just projecting now, I think they're just jumping in a, van, uh, a sinking mm-hmm. ship. Yeah. 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 And then it's, it's how to distance yourself from something that is very rotten. And that's what it is. Absolutely. It is mm-hmm. rotten. Absolutely. If something, if something stinks that bad, there's there's a lot of rotting and yeah. going on. I, I don't know where to really take this too far because the honest answer is that this is just unacceptable. Mm. Um, I'm not, like I said, we <clears throat> don't know why these people have. They may have been to do it, they may not. 
Yeah. But I'm not going to say they have or have not because that's not. Or, the time will tell. Absolutely. Or, or, or will be found out. Yeah. I mean, the thing is that jumping ship is all is all is all great and all and like trying to get out. But like, you're not actually going to run away from the problem. It will catch up with you. That's the thing with all this stuff, especially when you're talking about such a high profile company and now has such a high profile thing. Uh, and it, I mean, it's a it's a good life lesson in general. Like, if you if you run away from crap, it will catch up with you. Like, you know, uh, it will come around to you at some point. And yeah, I mean. I'd like to say I'm surprised. G- gaming has had a stench for a while. Uh, a lot of gaming developing companies. It, this is not news. I know uh, there's been a lot of um, whistleblowers in lots of different games. I mean, um, if you go back to uh, Bondi, um, yeah. the guys that created um, L.A. Noir, uh, there was a that whole thing collapsed around um, just how bad of a company they were and and um yeah just the practices going on there and, and stuff you know um a lot of women speaking out and a lot of talk of like you know aggressive tactics used to to get crunch time done you know to get things done um, to deadline and stuff like this you know people um not being able to go to home to their families and all this kind of stuff it's just become the norm and accepted and it is disgusting you know we're talking about an industry now that you know is is as big as movies you know you got you got people at Activision and, and and rockstar and all these making so much money and and producing games that are worth as i say as you know as much as blockbuster movies are and you know we we call out and try you know the movie industry isn't perfect either but we try and call out and, and make better than this but we should be doing the same in in the gaming industry as well because mm. it's just it's just not it's just not good enough and uh, it saddens me every time we see it because it it really brings a bad a bad rap to to all this and yeah i I don't know what is going to fix this. It's going to take a long, long time um, to, to fix this, but um, something needs to be gutted in Activision from from quite far down and just rebuilt. Like, because otherwise, you're not really going to get rid of the problem. You're just gonna you're gonna mask it, and that's my fear. Um, Darvi, what, what do you think? Well, when I first read about this, um, uh, excuse me for not knowing his name. Um, one of the lead developers of um, World of Warcraft, which is owned by Blizzard, mm-hmm. Activision Blizzard, um, I remember reading his tweet and he was saying, um, this is just awful all around because it's horrible for the victims. And it's also horrible for the gamers themselves who are buying the products from Activision Blizzard because while they're running around putting out all these fires and figuring out how to go forward Mm -hmm. and doing all this stuff and there's such high turnover, they're not... They're not spending that time and energy... Doing what they're supposed to be doing. Exactly. On their jobs, which is to produce a high-quality gaming experience for their customers. Yeah. So, um, I I just remember reading that and thinking, like, yeah, this... If if I still played World of Warcraft, which um, I I played very briefly... um, uh, when I was a child, and uh, <laughs> yeah, it's been going on that long. Um, when oh, I was yes. a child, and a little bit um, a couple of years ago, like I'm really wondering what the conversation 
is that's happening there about all this and Mm -hmm. and what the actual effects are like on the ground in those games like what's going on like are bugs being patched as quickly as they normally would be you know like i'm I'm people paying like a lot of money oh my goodness yes it is so expensive and the same for and the same for you know um activision's other games like like warzone i mean the amount of money that people pour into i mean some people pour into the thousands but we gotta think of it's it's expensive with warzone and stuff do you get tournaments and stuff like that yeah Mm -hmm. and like we're saying um these games do have bugs mm. and if you're not swatting these bugs yeah when you've got this whole thing which i think they need to take care of now yeah as mm-hmm. in not like tomorrow but yeah. yeah we'll yeah. sort of do that no you need to sort out now mm-hmm. sort of thing and i believe it was you ben who said about will it just get masked i hope not i hope that they gut it from the ground up and say right we need to gut this we need to see what have we done gets wrong? the core yeah where's the core yeah. who or, or what in our system here has led to these uh, deplorable acts and allowed, where, yeah, allowed it to happen and, okay and we're and we're not finger pointing at people we just need to know what you first need to do is identify the problem and go in there with new logic to say where do we go from here mm-hmm. and then build that core of now you've gone okay we fixed that problem now let's build around that new core that we've now got let's build around these uh, let's try and reach out to people let's try and not have the same thoughts we just experienced i yeah. think that's yeah, very yeah, obvious absolutely and then we start thinking right mm-hmm. now let's go on to these games that make us money yeah but we also must remember not to go back to how it once was yeah just become a better company that's all i ask now i ask them like it's great that you know this stuff has come out because i'm glad it mm-hmm. has but i'm yes. also saddened that it's also come out yeah. it's a very weird like i don't know twilight zoney sort of thing mm. i feel I just feel like I can't believe even now we're we're still talking about these sort of things. I would have thought would have like people would have got themselves clued up. <laughs> yeah, well. But obviously that has yeah. not happened. No. no, that's that's kind of living more in a dream world. Mm. But yeah. um look, I mean you can't the thing with this is you can't do this internally. This has to be done from an external company Absolutely. or an external mm-hmm. group looking yeah. at it in fresh eyes because even if you have genuinely good people with good intentions within the company, they if they've been there long enough then they will be blind to the real problems mm-hmm. and you know it's it's different when you know these are the people that you work with every day and they may be people that also you consider your friends or uh, your boss or things like that you know it needs to be an external thing um t- to look at it and to, re- and to really find the issue and yeah i mean i wish that you know other sort of other, about outside sources but other other companies would sort of also like push and and kind of um make Activision do it for instance like you know you got people like Sony who sponsor with with Activision yes. Blizzard you know they've got this the, the deal with uh, Call of Duty uh, and then you've also got you know talk about tournaments then you've got all the sponsors the sponsor the teams that play in there so their sponsors names show within and I'm sure there's probably um um match sponsors and things like that as well they should be putting pressure but of course i know it's not it's not as simple as that they don't want to put their head above the trenches and all this that and the other mm-hmm. but they should be applying pressure and going you know because because often with these big companies until money's on the line then they don't tend to listen and do very much and so you kind of got to hit them where it hurts uh, and then you kind of can really get get to the root of the problem and that's just it you, you need to hit them in the wallet and you know you see mm-hmm. it with it's not just with gaming companies it's with all companies yeah you need to hit them where it hurts their bottom line because that's the only time these things get sorted mm-hmm. 
and I hope this does get sorted quickly and I hope it is uh, publicly as well like you said like Ben said you get someone external in and to have a look I always remember this is just a story about myself like when I was at uni my mum came to our house for the first time we were living there for like three months mm-hmm. and um, she commented on things like why has this not been sorted out why have you not cleaned this out and it's because you get blind to these things you yeah. Do. yeah yeah you do like mm-hmm. and then that's how, you, how I see this um, in the nicest way possible obviously <laughs> got to be all friendly uh-huh. in terms of you need someone to really look and put the magnifying glass mm-hmm. and really go right why have you done it like this yeah oh yeah 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 and i also think it's a a good opportunity for them to get in some new fresh ideas and perspectives absolutely you know i feel like a lot of their their games are so long-standing and have such a loyal cult following but at the end of the day like those old games are like I, I don't want to say... They that, make a lot of money. Yes, that's that's yeah, the thing. Yeah, We're yeah. talking about but money here. I don't want to say, like... Like, they're just rehashing the same thing over and over when they do make changes. But, I, you know, I, I do I do feel a little bit like, you know, they, they could have some, some more inspired... Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, no uh, not in the ideas. not in the Call of Duty community. I mean, I don't want, I don't want to get too deep, but the Call of Duty community is the type of community where you say like, oh, we want something different, we want something new, then they do something different and new, and they're like, no, 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 no we want it the way it used to be like years ago. Yeah, um, yeah. and like you, you literally can't. You, we, I love you guys, but you can't. The you community can't is very yeah. kind of all over the place, and you can't really, uh, you can't mm-hmm. really win at all. Yep, try to appease everyone, it'll please no one. <laughs> exactly. It's true. It's true. So there we are. Well, I'll leave it up to you guys to add any comments you want to add or to get in touch with a thought and opinion. You can follow us, this is a good opportunity to say that. You can follow us on Twitter. Um and we're also on Facebook as well. I will have all the links to that in the description for you to have a look at and to follow us on there. And you can also ask us any questions and we may just give you a readout on the next episode. And on that note, we're over to Darby. Darby, what have you got? All right. So not to be dramatic, but I come to you with my own personal moral conundrum. Hmm. Um, okay. I feel uh, like an agony arm. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me all your Okay, it's sorrows. extremely minor. It's extremely oh. minor. It's okay. not something that I'm wrestling with all day, every day, but it is something that I've been thinking about um, in the last couple months. And it is this. There is a wildly popular genre of media, especially in podcast and um, online video form of true crime. Okay? okay. Yes. So, basically... It's been a moida. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Basically, for those somehow unfamiliar, um, there's podcasts like Serial. Have, have we both... Have Has everybody uh, um, heard of this? Serial? No. Serial? No. Or serial killers? Or actually just serial that you eat? Sorry, I'm... No, Serial the Podcast. Never heard of it. Serial sorry. like Serial Killers. Sorry, guys. No no, no offense to... If you're listening, Serial, I'm sorry. I don't know okay. who you are. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll check out. It's, l- it's literally one of the biggest podcasts of all time. Oh. <laughs> I feel like I've yeah. been under a rock. Okay, sorry. so <laughs> there's... 
Serial, one of the largest okay. podcasts of all time. Right. Um, one lady that I watch on YouTube or used to watch um, back when I had a lot more free time um, was uh, Dark Histories with Bailey Sarian. Mm-hmm. Um, really, you've heard of her. Yeah, yeah. You've heard of her, but, but you haven't Sarah, heard of yeah, Serial. Yeah. Okay, okay. Um, but there are countless, countless more um, creators like this, both um, in podcasts and videos and uh, I'm sure many, many more forms. Hmm. Um, and they are wildly popular. Okay. It's also interesting to note that a lot of these creators are actually women. Mm-hmm. Um, Great. Yeah, and also a lot of the consumers of this media are women. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll, I'll come back to that later on. Okay, so just to give you a statistic on Serial, the podcast which has dominated the world but you've never heard of. Nope. Um, as of September 2018, okay. almost three years ago, episodes of seasons one and two of the Serial podcast have been downloaded over 340 million times, establishing wow. an ongoing podcast world record. Wow. I feel even more stupid now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I cannot believe that neither of you have heard of this. Anyway, um, so basically, Serial in particular is actually done by an investigative reporter. Um, so she has gone into this case. It each each season is a different case. Carry on. Yeah, yeah, carry on. We're boring you over there, Ben. Um, <laughs> I'm reading the chat. Okay. Uh, so so yeah, each each season is like a different case, kind of. The third season deviates a little bit mm-hmm. from that format, but the first season um, is is definitely the most famous storyline um all about Adnan Sayed I believe um it's been it's been a couple of years since I listened to this but I believe his name is Adnan Sayed um but the the reporter on this is Sarah Koenig and she's actually kind of unique in this genre that she is an investigative reporter most of the creators on this are not investigating by themselves they're people like us who do some kind of research based on what other people have already found and then present it um to their audience yeah um and a lot of these people are just amateur hobbyists Mm -hmm. like these are not like qualified reporters or anything these are just you know regular people like bailey um bailey sarian um so here's here's my thing okay (laughs) i think i think that these are so popular because i think that people have a dark fascination um with learning about these cases um and especially in the case of Serial, it's so widely popular because there is no definitive answer at the end. 
it's it's a who done it, but you never find out who really done it. Because, People love a conspiracy. Yeah, yeah. Or because was it this? Or was it that? Or was exactly, it- exactly. She's investigating this case that happened a couple of years ago, but right. at the end, she. Uh, not to spoil anything, but Adnan Syed is still serving his life sentence, but there is no, like, no one has confessed to the murder. And there's no conclusion. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's it's especially addictive almost because you're following along with her investigating this, trying to sort it out, and you're trying to, like, put together the clues. And, like, she even, like, posted, like, photos and like maps and like all this stuff so that you could like really like dive into this and you could almost be working alongside her to try and sort this out and so people have many opinions of course course. but um true crime as a genre i believe all of it um comes down to a dark fascination that people have um, but here, that's all hunky dory. So but this- but here's here's my 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 hiccup. My hiccup is it feels sometimes, especially the amateur hobbyists. Um, just making a YouTube video like, hey guys, isn't this interesting? Like, ooh, creepy. It feels, <laughs> it feels like taking someone's real trauma and someone's actual life. Tri- trivializing it. Exactly. You're trivializing, trivial, excuse me. You're, you're trivializing it. It's easy for you to say. To make <laughs> it palatable to an audience, which you're then making money off of. And it feels really icky to me, but uh, it it gets worse. It gets worse. Hold on, hold on. You could argue this about movies, though, as well. That's the thing. (sighs) Okay, but it gets worse because then I think, like, well, a large portion of this audience is women. And so then I'm wondering why, you know, why, why are so many women captured by these narratives and like it's, it's like gossip think, though isn't it i think part of it is that it's almost like a cautionary tale like oh what did that person do that i can avoid so i don't end up in that kind of a situation you know or like what does a serial killer behave like so that i can notice those things in the future like it it's almost like a weird like preparing yourself kind of a thing but then it gets worse i'm it's getting <laughs> but worse then it gets worse because right throughout i'm sure all of history right there are basically fangirls but i'm sure there are also people who are not girls who are fans of fan people serial killers and mm. murderers and like people in jail Fan you know fiction. like no 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 no, no, no. Sorry, no i'm talking really... about people who hear about a crime yeah. i'm sure in the olden days it was like oh i read the newspaper and johnny joe murdered somebody and now yeah. i want to marry him like there's people who 
genuinely are like obsessed was, and in love with really uh, yeah no, like I know what you're about, yeah. serial killers and murderers people the people, bad guy yeah exactly and it's like it I don't know I true crime has been giving me a lot of icky feelings lately <laughs> um because I'm wondering if if people's intentions are any good I'm wondering if this is respectful to family members of victims I'm wondering if this is something that people should be making money off of talking about I'm wondering if this is something that I should be consuming because you know it's like it's like kind of scary and like you know like but you're also you're also by watching you're contributing to well yeah exactly that community like to that pot yeah. like, especially when you come to earnings yeah exactly and i'm but then i'm wondering like okay does the responsibility lie on the consumer or the creator and like how much because i i do believe part responsibility lies on each person but like how much mm -hmm. you know uh, and then and then i think well you know what just chill out <laughs> okay so to, there's a lot to pack there yes yeah so, yeah i'm sorry i'm sorry i don't know so i'm going to sort of talk about first like about mm -hmm. these stories people love stories mm -hmm. um what if true not people love storylines um like i'm a massive fan of wrestling i don't watch wrestling for wrestling if i did that i watch ufc yeah it's yeah. the storylines that i like yeah and in terms of crime and drama um i always go back to look at like um old fables from like things like Brothers Grimm and stuff. Uh, Big Bad Wolf. Yeah. You know, there's morals behind that. Um, there's obviously, I obviously can't talk too much about it, but like The Princess and the Frog, that's about, should we say, um, relationship areas, should we say. <laughs> there are stories to warn young children mm -hmm. and young adults. Mm -hmm. And with these sort of crime dramas, it taps into that when you're young you get told these stories about mm -hmm. like um say james the giant peach why not you know like there's always like a moral story at the end of like hey you should watch out for this yeah. hey this is that these are more of the like the next stage up like hey these are some signs you should probably watch out for when mm. you're out in the world mm -hmm. and why do i think women more consume this mm -hmm. and then i'll say why i think women are more involved in this mm -hmm. it's because statistically women are attacked on streets and mm -hmm. stuff like that women are more targeted mm -hmm. in areas especially in the uk i can't comment across the world i do not know you know mm -hmm. my knowledge is very limited to here and i think again women subconsciously tap into that i think there is an element of women want to feel safe because mm -hmm. look at what we just talked about with my article there are still areas where again yeah, predominantly yeah. women are still not safe in mm -hmm. workplace or out in mm -hmm. the public and mm -hmm. i think there's a bit of comfort mm -hmm. i like air crash investigation <laughs> i hate flying but i do have comfort in if mm -hmm. i was in a plane and it crashed hey people would learn from that accident mm -hmm. that is genuinely my comforting thing really? about it all. Okay. that's how i fair enough and yeah. i think when people watch these sort of things including myself like there is comfort in hey like there are messages in here mm -hmm. that where i can keep myself safe even if it's like you know um 
what's the word um even if it's not true it's a, a like a placebo effect on me mm-hmm. to say hey look i feel you were safe now watching this yeah it's a fairy like a fairy tale yeah you're okay. just yeah you know i think it's the element of curiosity mm-hmm. um right so now we're gonna dive into something that is my weakest subject and that is <laughs> literature am okay. i right in thinking agatha christie wrote things like pyro and like crime novels and stuff am i right yeah yeah like that? murder on the orient express right. uh-huh. she is the most biggest selling author on that yep. sort of stuff mm-hmm. ever and i just think again it is women passing on knowledge mm-hmm. and women passing on warning signs mm-hmm. you know i might be just bang out of order what i'm saying here but when i look at it and how i view it that is my simplicity of it of okay i think there is just mm-hmm. people trying to look out for their their people as in women want to express these messages Mm -hmm. or men or the author of this media want to say hey look check this out but also keep in mind about the safety of it Mm -hmm. there was a netflix show i was watching about the la killer like again this was not fresh but i sat there thinking god this is dark like brutal murders and Mm -hmm. this yeah i can never remember his name he was absolutely like he loved like the sport of it all sort Mm -hmm. of thing and when I was watching it, I genuinely thought, like, what would I do in this situation? And the honest answer is, I would do diddly squat <laughs> situations. But we like a whodunit. We yeah, like a murder yeah, mystery. Yeah, we do. And I wouldn't say it's the darkness of the human consciousness or anything. It's because throughout human history, we've always had some sort of threat mm. of the unknown. And that is what I think murder mysteries are. Mm. It's always a, an unknown, mm-hmm. and let's go piece by piece. And the fact that there is no conclusive answer to some of these stories makes it even more intriguing and more mm. alluring. Mm. Like let, let's one of the biggest uh, controversies and like um, stories people will talk about is Madame McCann. We do not know what yes. happened to her. Still, yeah, people yeah. have theories. There are mm-hmm. there are theories about that she was a clone, all the way up to that she never existed. Yeah. Like this, just a phantom. It is genuinely like <laughs> there are some wild, wild stories out there. I'm not saying they're not true because we don't know what happened yeah but it's always interesting and there's yeah. always stories that are not true that come from it mm-hmm. and there's always then media that expand from that into other things like some works out there come mm-hmm. from media we talk about like twilight what was that it was originally what fan fiction of um not, uh sorry uh 50 shades was, yeah was yeah, fan fiction of, mm-hmm. you know a bit different but i'm yeah. just saying like <laughs> things do come from these yeah uh, yeah and yeah. and that's why i think a i'll go back to my points of why we treat by them it's mm-hmm. story element and the unknown mm. women i think again it's because i feel maybe they feel more vulnerable i don't know mm-hmm. you know but i might be having my head put on london bridge after this mm-hmm. i have to say and <laughs> things like this but i think that's where it comes from mm-hmm. and do i think you should feel ashamed watching these things no because at the end of the day with many of these things that i've watched like you should be at least alert to some of these things mm-hmm. um i'm gonna leave it on this uh the, someone who i used to work with he used to um drive ambulances do like car things and one of them he actually led to me in um i can't believe we called like a someone who like looks after jail cells and stuff and he would organize meetings and there was i, I believe it was the moore's killer was in jail at this point and uh, the guy who like watches over him said you know he is the most requested person for like students to come question because they want to know why he did it mm. and things like that like 
Why? Yeah. Why do you know when you think about it? Why? Why are we so intrigued by crazy men yeah. or women yeah. who committed deplorable acts? Yeah. Because, well, so, yeah. so you think at the root of it all, it's it's almost like we're practicing, like how to deal with that fear mm. by going through the dangerous situation in like a safer way. Yeah, absolutely. Than actually living it out. Yeah. Because okay, so mm-hmm. I'll be honest, right now, but this is where you're gonna go, God, man, you're terrifying. So we've all, you know, we've all thought about these sort of things. Like, oh, how can I get? That's just a joke, sort of thing. Like, um, why is there games out there like uh, Friday the Thirteenth game where you play as a survivor being chased down by an axe wielding maniac? Mm-hmm. In real life, would you really want to have you chased in the forest by uh, an unkillable force who's gonna chop your head off? No, no, you wouldn't want to do that. Mm-hmm. That is a that is a horrible nightmare. But someone has lived that at some point mm-hmm. through human yeah. history. It's true. That you know, is true. Are we going to say, oh, you can't make games about that because it happened 50 years ago. You can't profit on someone's story. Well, no, that's where a lot of media comes from. A lot of media yeah, is, yeah. you know, a lot of, even back, way back, like ancient times, mm-hmm. a lot of stories have half-truths in them and they've just stretched them. It is true, but I think, just to push back on that a little, I think my biggest issue really i should have i should have said this before no, my biggest issue is that a lot of these are like very current very recent stories some of them are older but most of them are very current very recent and these are real people who are still alive today who are affected by these and it just feels so gross to be it, yeah, it's taking just yeah, to be taking someone's real traumatic or, like, you know, like, the real cause of their death, and then to just be talking about it like, like, like anything else, like you and know? Like subscribe and... Yeah, exactly. And, and the fact is that, you know, the victim's families that are still dealing with this are now dealing with these huge hordes of true crime fans Mm. coming to them and reaching out to them and like trying to like interact with them or like even like sending them like threatening stuff you know because the fans have been hearing about their relatives story and I think yeah I think my biggest issue is that these true crime podcasts and videos and etc 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 at the end of the day they're not just being consumed by the average person it does come back round to the actual people in the case and the people surrounding those people you know and i just i i really i can't get behind it you know like like um i believe i believe i remember back when i actually listened to serial a couple years ago i believe i remember that the victim's family um 
really had issues with the podcast because they did not ask for all this fame and attention to be brought onto their daughter who was murdered, you know, and they they did not ask for all this. The reporter kind of took it upon herself to present this to the world and suddenly it shone a massive, massive light on it that it never would have normally seen. Mm-hmm. And so then, you know, like, like how would how would you even deal with the fact that your daughter's name is now a household name because she was brutally murdered in a forest, you know? And now all these people are coming to you and, like, like questioning you about it and, like, sending you messages about, like, oh, maybe you did it, you know? Like, oh. I did it. <laughs> yes, you, Martin, you did it. But, like, it's just, like... Uh, uh, um, I struggle. I, I struggle. It's the same for the news reporting, though, as well. Is You know, the news reporting on these things and stuff does bring a lot of attention to it. And I was, the only thing I was going to say is that, adding on to what Martin kind of said in a way, is that we're quite social beings and we seem to also have a kind of... Majority of us kind of have a a desire to a desire to to see others misfortune like it's mm. like it's so it's it's the car crash that everyone stops to watch you know what i mean yeah. like yeah. you just can't help but look it's this it's the dramas that seem to be massive on tv and soap operas people seem to get some sort of enjoyment out of other people's misfortune unfortunately and i think it's you know it's it i think that also comes out as well is that like you know all um that you know is it i can't even though i know it's awful i can't help but watch it or listen to it because you know Mm. it's that it it triggers into that what i feel is probably a deep rooted um feeling in in Mm. inside of that kind of like car crash mentality you know i can't i can't help but watch it yeah. So you so you do lean more onto the side of it's a dark fascination. It's a dark fascination. I'm not saying it's a I'm not saying it's a bright fascination or that it's healthy. Yeah. Um at all. And um yeah, I think that I think okay, my my feeling is and I think it's like with anyone who's kind of dealing with things where you're dealing with real people, um, is the fact that if you're reporting on something that's sensitive in nature, it is up to you as the reporter to do all due diligence. If those that family, like Madame McCann, for instance, as a good example, wants everyone to know about it because they want to find the girl, then that's great. But would it be that hard if you kind of just obscured some information? There's still a story there. There's still some of the interest, you know. Yeah. It could be a girl in a forest somewhere, not this girl... Who, um, who lives right here you know why why do you have to go that specific so i think there mm. is a, a level of responsibility and mm. to be fair youtube does try and clamp down on it with the privacy thing if you've got um information about people in your in your video and someone makes a report that because because of a lot of the data laws and things like this is that technically those videos could be taken down because they've got information that someone didn't say is up there but often with these things by that point it's everywhere and then you you can't it's on the internet and that's it for good but yeah i i do think that there's um you know i, I 
make make the content like obviously like it, there's an interest there but um you don't have to tell everyone all the details there's there's a level of responsibility there mm. so let's go back to something else you said and it links in well because ben's core there was responsibility mm-hmm. these people who hassle should we say because it is it is um hassling uh these members family yeah who, you yeah. know yeah they uh-huh. need to take the responsibility of hey you know what you need to give these people some privacy yeah you know, absolutely you and i think the problem is and this comes to the youtube world as well people who watch this sort of content mm-hmm. feel like they know these people you do yes. not know these people yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you know uh-huh. and, and and that's the key thing here mm-hmm. like i'm gonna put myself in a situation here let's say someone who i know been murdered you know, a horrible thing to say but let's say it has i do not want people coming up to me saying no oh i'm really sorry about it but who do you, you did it um oh like i've, I've watched your time who do you, think? Mm. you do not know me you know yeah. there are yeah. there you yeah. do not know me my mm. front that i might do on a youtube channel is not how i am in real life we, we see this with other things in youtube right now and it, that is a very topical thing but mm. yeah no, we're not talking about that. people turning up on people's doorsteps that Absolutely. kind of thing yeah, yeah. like yeah. Um, the invasion of privacy yeah. is horrible you need to people need to remember what you see on youtube or what you consume on any other media is not part of your real world life yeah no, you need to understand to a certain degree it's like, produced like that yeah exactly. that's what you're you're taking right that is not your actual life of hey i can approach these people because the news mm-hmm. did no 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 yeah. you are now watching from the sideline you've got to be like think of it as a sports game uh, not a game but you know just in you're in the sands you have paid your ticket to watch and to absorb the content that you are seeing but you wouldn't run on the field to say hey i'm your biggest fan let's you know party tonight no no or no. throw the ball or throw mm-hmm. the ball you're not involved in that you mm-hmm. have to sit tight and watch it you can make your own feelings like look at sports fans we we always say we all have different opinions of things hey, you talk about in the pub oh i would do mm-hmm. this i would yeah. do that and with crime you are almost a ghost of mm-hmm. watching this this play out yeah you yeah. can have your own feelings mm-hmm. but you do not approach the people who are absolutely. in contention of this absolutely and should you feel guilty unless you are the person going to these people's homes and invading their privacy and bringing up um healing scars Mm -hmm. then you should not feel guilty because i think there is a degree that you need to understand what's going on in the world i think that first knowledge as grim and horrible as it is Mm -hmm. uh, i wish this on nobody i really wish like that i wish we all lived in a world where there was no murders no nothing misfortunate but that's not the reality we live in Mm -hmm. and for whatever reason if it's a sick side of us or like Ben said, is it deep rooted in us? We we do like this sort of stuff, and it's, it's horrible true. to it's say. True. Yeah, but yeah. we must understand. Mm-hmm. I'm saying like like you guys yeah. are doing it. I know, yeah. like, <laughs> but this is for anyone out there. You must understand that what we see, you cannot just approach anyone about it. There, like there are things that you might say or do that could affect someone very harshly and very yeah. badly. Yeah, and we must be con- courteous towards mm. that and unless yeah. that person brings it up and says hey like you might send a news that my such and such has happened and mm. Mm. then you can talk about it but again you have to be respectful about it you can't yeah. be like, oh yeah i saw that and i think you did it no you gotta be like yeah courteous yeah. to them yeah well speaking of the effects of this i think possibly even the absolute worst thing to come out of true crime media beyond the trivialization even beyond 
the the like constant attention and unwanted like attention that um victims families get i think the very worst part is that it ins it could inspire more people to do the same thing just like just like how um in in mass shootings um you know seeing all these mass shooters getting all this attention in the media inspires more people to do the same thing that's why mm -hmm. like there's been a, a recent um movement to not even say the shooter's name anymore yeah but just to report on Response. this event happened this many people are dead not even saying the person's name that's not insane. showing any pictures because then they're not getting famous yeah um so the people who are considering this who would potentially do so, something so horrible mm -hmm. based on like a need for attention and fame yeah they see oh if i did such a thing i would not be getting that attention and fame that i'm that i'm wanting from this yeah. yeah you know and so i do wonder if the if, if the same is true mm -hmm. from true crime podcasts where it's like you know if someone hears all this attention and love and adoration and like all this like just obsession that people get over true crime you know given to a murderer then if they might think oh well why don't i do that yeah you know i want i want to be famous you um, know it this reminds me and i like a cry for help i guess as well yeah i asked um as you talk i was trying to find something that instantly to my mind and i i feel really sorry for what i'm about to say here because i cannot remember the full details and i believe so do not quote me on this there was one it was um i think it was in norway or in that area where a man got in a boat and there was like a small little island where a load of like teenagers on he got off the boat and had a mass shooting uh, he killed a lot mm -hmm. of people mm -hmm. and he did it so people would remember his name yeah but i cannot remember this guy's name and i think that's how it should be like yeah you should yeah. remember the people who died mm -hmm. and the people who were the victims and you should yeah. respect them but these I'm going to use it. These insane people who think these bizarre, bewildering thoughts should not be remembered in my in my mind. The event should be remembered, but the people who committed these atrocities should not be remembered. Or at least we should focus more on the victims more than yeah, this yeah. individual well, group or... Yeah, I still think, as I say, it comes down to responsible reporting. Like, it comes down to the fact that you... You can report on something without um, giving all the information, without compromising, um, or giving light to the wrong people, um, mm. and you know, yeah, or doing something against the wishes of the of the families involved. Um, and I also think, you know, it, it, yeah, the whole like the whole thing comes down to the, the the community and stuff that allows this to happen. You know, I think if um, something bad happens in the community like this, it's a reflection of the community failing as a whole to have allowed it to happen you know to allow that that person to have not been stopped beforehand you mm -hmm. know 
because um, often the case is that these people might have been suspected before it even happened. Um, you know, that things might have been not quite right and not quite adding up and it just didn't get caught. So um, with the, the whole story, I feel honestly, can get summed up by responsibility. Mm. Everyone has their part to play and it's easy to point fingers, but everyone has their bit. You know, it starts It starts from, as I say, the, the, the reporters and the news breaking out, but then it continues into what Martin's saying about how people share it and res the respect people have for the people involved and mm. where's pushing it too far and where's just an interesting thing to talk about and a case study to take forward to the future. Like there's, there's a line, there's a line in all yeah. of it. Yeah. And I think if more people respected where their line is in the whole thing, then the world would be a bit of a better place. Yeah, which leads directly into the final penultimate question go for it can you ethically morally consume such media as bailey sarian and her dark histories and serial and other true crime knowing that the popularity and the tension can have adverse effects even if you're not, you know, going knocking on people's doors like a like a weirdo. Um, can you do that? Whether your intention is you're fascinated by it or you are trying to arm yourself with information no matter what your intention is, or actually maybe is maybe is it dependent on your intention, I don't know. But can you ethically consume such media? Uh, do you mind if I go first? Go. I think you can consume it ethically. But like the running theme of actually most of our topics has been responsibility. Mm -hmm. And are you accountable? Yeah, yeah. You know, can you be accountable mm -hmm. for what you're saying? And can you and people who are consuming, can you be responsible with this? with this media i have no issue with people talking about these situations mm. my issue would come down to um spreading false claims and accusations yeah. that is where you have to draw the line maybe i think the problem is as well um because youtube relatively is still a young platform when you really think about it it's mm -hmm. not been around for ages like the bbc it's sort true. of thing yeah. and people are consuming more media through the bbc uh, through YouTube and mm -hmm. online platforms like Twitter. I think maybe, and I'm not, I don't like censoring, censoring or like locking down content because I'm, you know, but maybe when these stories break out, maybe have some sort of a uh, period where you can only talk about cases that have been either conclusive, like A, they are like, someone's been sentenced and mm -hmm. the case is over maybe it's a cold trace like that's happened but it's no longer a running investigation sort of thing mm -hmm. maybe you need to like focus on them i think the problem is when people talk about fresh stories that happen like right now yeah yeah people can spread a lot of false claims which can be given as evidence to like other things mm -hmm. and you could be sensing someone who's completely innocent to mm -hmm. and that's where i have the issue with these the mob mentality and this is it you know there yeah. i'm sure there are countless countless stories like this where someone has been wrongly accused actually i was talking about one earlier on before we came on here um but you know let's just move past it because we you need to understand 
the consequences mm-hmm. of what you're saying and that's why I always think if you're going to do these sort of shows I have no problem with it mm-hmm. and I can't comment on Serial because I've never watched it so I'm not accusing of any of these channels of, of wrongdoing I'm just going to put that one out there before we have like some beef going now <laughs> I'm sure yeah. what they yeah. do Twitter is, war <laughs> I'm sure what they do is fantastic uh-huh. and I should probably be more open to these <laughs> podcasts <laughs> I feel so silly not uh, listening to these things um, but I think when it comes to like fresh cases we just need to talk about the facts of like what happened mm-hmm. and what where the investigation is going from here mm. we do not talk about oh this person's a play and that person's a play but what was going on at this point mm. we just need to say hard facts we know mm. and then say or at least give the indication of if you're going to put your own opinion in there say like this is my own opinion this is not fact yeah like yeah do not go after these people and I, and that's also something I've also noticed with YouTube people like have these fan clubs you talk about someone let's say Ben and I have a YouTube channel we do the same sort of content I could say yeah not really a fan of uh, this uh, Ben's content <laughs> and then you get my fans going up saying hey mine hates you and he's gonna come attack your gerbil sort of thing <laughs> like no you know and I think yeah. we need to say to like our audiences I know it's very silly to say that you have to tell people not to do it but you to do. say but you have to put some sort of discretion say please do not go after these people this is just my opinion if yeah. you are if we yeah. if you have to mm-hmm. voice your opinion if you're uncontrolled like mm-hmm. i am a little at times you have to say this is my opinion mm-hmm. like, and this is not fact what i'm yeah. about to say yeah. maybe like there are going to be obviously oh, this is tv problems and this is just coming me waffling i do apologize <laughs> i will hand over the mic to uh to ben or yourself if you got any more but as Ted Lasso would say, can you be accountable? And that is it. And and that is how I'll end my uh, my lunacy indiced thoughts. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, Benjamin. I I, mean, I kind of repeat myself a little bit, I guess, but um, accountability. I think, and it's it's on it's on it's on the people reporting it. I'm sorry, like. The majority of the responsibility is on the people reporting it it's like same thing goes down to the channel beef and things like that is that if you l- put the ammunition there it will be used mm-hmm. if you if you if you if you put something down some information or whatever that can be used and and cause harm people will do it if mm-hmm. you tell them not to they will still do it mm-hmm. that's just the way that yeah. it is so you just don't put yourself in that situation you be responsible everything you put out that you say on the internet you have to take into account that it can and probably will be used against you in some way or against other people in some way so you know there's no point saying oh this person and you know say a bunch of stuff about them and go oh i'm only joking Mm. you just can't you just can't do that like because there'll either be people who don't understand the humor because they don't maybe they don't speak english or have very low understanding of english so they don't get your sarcastic Mm -hmm. humor when you said it or (laughs) the notice that you've Uh. also said with it or people's attention span they've heard this little bit and they've already gone off before you've had a chance to say this and the other so you just don't put it out there you just don't do that if you if as i say respect lines and boundaries is that if you don't put um information that can cause harm and things out there as i say if you don't go into too much detail but just you know say what needs to be said then then we would all be all right and the world would be a bit of a better place and that, that's all i've got to say so benjamin are you erring more on the side of you can consume ethically yes okay okay yes well because it look just don't it's, be the reason i'm saying it is because you, you, you can't you can't stop it 
Yeah. It, there is that inherent desire for this content. Yeah. You can't stop it. It mm. you try and censor it, you will just push it underground mm -hmm. and then it, this won't be talked about in a forum where lots of people are going to hear it in podcasts and things like that. This will be talked about in a Reddit forum somewhere deep where more inappropriate things will be said and possibly more damage will actually be created because the people are more intent on on doing something and, and obsessive with it will do. That's the problem sometimes is that if you push it too hard to silence it, you'll actually create a bigger problem than you had originally. Mm. So my air of warning on this would be that yes, I think there's a responsibility here, there's a responsibility from YouTube, there's a responsibility from the content creators um, and the community as well to say this is not right. Uh, there's a responsibility in everyone to, 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 to make sure that, you know, they push back on this, um, but not to it, but still can be consumed. Because um, otherwise it's, it's like you were saying, Darby, actually, this is a very, very good um, thing to pull in here about you becoming a pescatarian. <laughs> because okay, not, not no, what I thought no, you were no, going no, to no. say but no bear, bear with me here and you said it yourself to me is that the reason that you've succeeded at giving up meat uh, like the, the you know normal meat not not fish um, is because you haven't said to yourself I can never have meat again mm -hmm. you said to yourself if I really really want to try that I will do that but as a whole I am not having meat yeah yeah mm -hmm. you haven't you haven't stopped yourself completely and so you can't do that and the people who do that so the people who just like give up smoking like like try you know just stop smoking like that they likely will fail because you just can't work like that and i think that comes to a lot of things in life and including things like this is that the minute you tell people you just can't do that anymore at all it's bound to fail yeah i agree i 100 agree what you just said there um it's well been well documented yeah we talk about me and coca-cola my relationship yeah. with that i've always <laughs> yeah. said to myself like I, i've never said to myself i cannot drink that ever again mm -hmm. i just choose to say like look just try and cut back because that's what yeah. it was yeah. like I, I hate always bringing this back because i feel like people <laughs> would just think i was like putting it in my veins or something you know but, you no, are, right? no. uh, but like um i always say like i'm not ashamed to say it. like yeah i was pretty bad on it but but what we were saying here you've got to say when enough is enough mm. but never like slam the door on it because yeah. you will fail because that door's just going to fall back on you and you're going to be crushed by it yeah that's why exactly it. yeah mm. it's it's yeah it's like saying to the kid don't don't do this that they will do it yeah. for some reason i instantly think there was a tv program where they put like a donut on a table yeah and they said oh, yeah, there's plenty of experiments like, like that they said yeah do not touch that if you don't touch that five feet like they give five minutes you'll get two Obviously, all these yeah, kids the eat the donut first, yeah. and they like, or they nibble it, like try and like, <laughs> you, you just gotta yeah. help yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Put it. Anyway, that's uh, <laughs> final final thoughts, Tommy. Final things or your final thought. I do think that hearing both of your opinions and also talking through my issues about it uh, has helped me come to a better. A better understanding of of uh, of what I think on on my own consumption of it, as well as you know, really laying out the issues like that. Like I did, it, it, it's the first time that I've I've actually put them all together um, to be able to like see like oh yeah wow that's a whole lot of messed up all in one mm. place, you know, like <laughs> at the end of the day, just for the sake of a podcast, like 
there's some real implications, you know? Yeah, like, exactly. Like, it, it was the first time that I saw all of it. Like, I, I, I will say, first of all, disclaimer, um, you know, as I mentioned way back when I first introduced this topic, I did a lot more true crime consumption back when I had a lot more free time before mm -hmm. I, I had found a job. Um, <laughs> so, like, this isn't quite as big of an issue for me now in my day-to-day -day life, um, but I will say that I no longer truly feel like I shouldn't consume it no matter what. I no longer... I, I feel more like as long as you can do it in a responsible way that you're not being horrible about it, like, you know, going yeah. and talking to somebody who's involved, mm -hmm. you know, like, I feel, I feel like you can ethically consume it. Um, and I, I do feel like it, it's your responsibility to manage your own behavior. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's more responsibility on the content creator than there is the consumer. Mm -hmm. um, because I do agree with a lot of what you were saying, Ben, that a lot... Actually, when I think about it, a lot of my issue lies in the way that the creators are mm -hmm. giving this information out. Yeah. You know, like... Like, okay, it it kind of reminds me of, like, the Tiger King documentary. <laughs> Not to bring back the Tiger King. Oh, boy. Um, oh boy. But, like, looking back on it now, the Tiger King documentary that blew up on Netflix is very similar to Serial in that it's presenting information. In the way that they want to present it. Well, yeah, but it's also, like, they've created a story out of it, mm. you know? A narrative. And, and they do have their opinions, which they have inserted into it. Even if you're not aware of it at the time, looking back, you can really see clearly yeah. someone's opinion is there, you know? And, and so I do feel like probably... 95% of the responsibility now, I feel, is on the content creator and how they give this information, if they even choose to. Because mm. I feel like a lot of this, honestly, a lot of true crime, does it need to be shared? I don't know. You know? I feel like... <sighs> You know, there are some landmark cases, like, serial killers that you, like, hear about. You know, like, like, Ted Bundy. You know, like, the Zodiac Killer. You know, like, there are some cases that you almost have to know about just because they're so popular. So, in order to have conversations with other people, mm -hmm. you know, things are referenced, you know? So, I feel like, in that way, like, there are some that actually should be accessible in the information about the case. For sure. Um, but I feel like, do we really need to pick through every detail of every murder in a small town? You know, like... 
No. No, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. Unless, unless there's really a real reason, like, oh, watch out for, you know, men who wear green tights and, like, red hats. Like, unless there's a real reason. <laughs> unless there's a it's real very reason. very specific. <laughs> I know, I know. That's that's the kind of cautionary information that I feel needs to be reported on. Um, but no, I, I I I do I do feel like um, you know, just to, even to be respectful to the dead, you know, like maybe someone doesn't want to be remembered for being a victim, mm. you know, maybe they want to be remembered for. You know, the things that, at the end of the person's life, ultimately go on their headstone, you know? Stuff like, you know, mother, son, daughter, beloved sister, you know, like, these things are, are the things, things that... Things that truly matter. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I do wonder about a lot of these true crime podcasts, like, if you could ask the victim... I feel like a lot of them would say, no, I don't want my story mm. um, to be expressed in this way. Yeah. And you, that's when that's when you ask yourself yeah. that question. And if you get that answer, then you know that you probably shouldn't be talking about it. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. Well, that is all we have on this first episode of season five of the podcast. If you're still here, thank you so much. For tuning in we are going to be cutting this up also into segments you might see that out and about on our different social media as well so that's awesome if you're here live thank you so much as well and don't forget to um, check out our social platform so that you can tune in to see us live next time uh, Facebook and YouTube are the key ones to go check out uh, thank you so much to my two co-hosts Darby and Martin thank you for joining Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. I also feel really, really bad that neither me or Ben knew cereal. <laughs> we'll keep an eye on more of the. We will cereal. Yeah. We'll come and check you out. <laughs> you should. You should. It, it's very good. Okay. It's very and good. It's captivating. I think what Ben and I could take from this, if nothing else, um, <laughs> that's non-news related, is we need to scope out more podcasts. Yeah. More podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and I do feel a little bit guilty about um, taking so much time for my That's true okay. crime That's conundrum. Right. It's just genuinely something that I've been struggling with for months now. Okay, and well, we're, we're here to help. We're here to <laughs> we're here to help you with your problems. And, and so air it out with us on a podcast. Yeah, exactly. That's what we're here. That's what we're here. Yeah, cheaper than therapy. Absolutely. Uh, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> And on that note, thank you so much for tuning in and joining us in whichever way you have. And we'll see you guys on the next episode. Adios. See you later. Bye. You're tuned in to the Three Pixels podcast.